0: You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Uh, What what an amazing team. Uh, People that are serving there in the music ministry, thankful for them. Uh, John chapter number 12, and here, uh, look back at verse number 12 as well. It said, on the next day, much people that were come to the feast... Now, this is the feast of the Passover. Skip back to verse 55 of the previous chapter. "...and the Jews' Passover was nigh at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem." before the fast uh, passover to purify themselves so here verse number 12 is talking about them coming to jerusalem uh, the feast they were coming to was the feast of the passover now you remember the passover brings us back to the book of exodus where god's people were uh, they were slaves they were in egypt they were under great oppression uh, God raised up a deliverer, uh, a man by the name of Moses. He was going to be used by God to lead the people of God out of bondage uh, across, the prom, or across the Red Sea, uh, and they would be delivered from uh, Egypt and the oppression of Egypt. Now, all through the Bible, we have uh, a lot of symbolism. Uh, Egypt represents in the Bible the world. the lost condition of the world. And you know what? As long as we are in Egypt, there is oppression. There's oppression, there's bondage. But you know, when you get saved, the bonds of those chains, they fall away. They're broken. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't enslave ourselves again. Corinthians talks about that. Uh, And and choosing to enslave ourselves again uh, with the yoke of bondage. And there is chains that we can put back on. Uh, and if a believer wants to live like an unbeliever and uh, they can find themselves in the same condition. Uh, but I'm so thankful that the Lord not only uh, purchased my salvation, uh, he gave me that opportunity to be saved. And being saved, those chains have been broken. Gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Uh, What a blessing that that is. And you know what? If you're saved this morning, your sins are gone as well. Uh, You have something to rejoice about. Those chains have been broken. Those chains are broken. And we don't want to go back in and allow those chains to, we don't want to tie ourselves back up uh, with those chains. Uh, But uh, there there is not only the broken chain uh, and that forgiveness there's a whole life for us to live. You know, God's people, when they crossed that Red Sea and uh, they went into that wilderness, they were on a mission to get to Canaan. The, the Canaan was the land of victorious Christian living. But what do we find? Disobedience causes us to wander in the wilderness. And when we're not following God's plan and we develop our own plan... There's a whole lot of wandering. There are a whole lot of wasted years. And 40 years, and for some, their entire life, the remainder of their life was wasted because they chose to disobey God. You know, uh, I don't know about you. I don't want to waste my life wandering in the wilderness. I want to be in the land of victorious Christian living. I want to be right where God wants me to be. And that's a choice that each and every one of us uh, have uh, to make in our own lives, but here uh, the Passover, the feast of the Passover, was in remembrance for what God did on the fourteenth of the first month, fourteenth uh, of Abib. It was the uh, it was the tenth of the last uh, plague of the plagues, and it was called the Passover. The Passover. And what do we find? We find that they were to take a lamb. It was what was called the Paschal Lamb. The word Passover and Paschal are the exact same word. Uh, and when we, we look in uh, Hebrew, or we look in the New Testament, uh, we find in Acts the word Easter is used. And, and uh, you know, don't be afraid of the word Easter, okay? Uh, it, it's amazing how many people that, that believe that the King James is the inspired word of God. They believe it until it comes to the word Easter. And the word Easter is translated paschal. It's the exact same word. Uh, so if we can't trust that one word, we can't trust any of the words. We okay? All right? But it's amazing how people uh, and there's a whole lot of Christians that get sucked up into these little details uh and uh it's comical though because they'll they'll put their finger on this one word. Oh, we don't use Easter, we use resurrection. Uh and the paschal, the whole the whole uh Everything here is referring back to Passover, and what Passover represented was the sacrifice lamb. And let me tell you something we have a lamb who was sacrificed, and that was the Lord Jesus. And, and I'm so thankful for that. But here, the, the people are coming to Jerusalem. They're coming for the purpose of, of the Passover, the remembrance of the Passover, the Passover lamb. Uh, and so they're coming for the feast of the Passover. And as they do, it says and when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found the young ass and sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first, but when... Uh, Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. And then you skip down to verse number 19, it said, the Pharisees therefore said among themselves, perceive ye how ye prevail nothing. Behold, the whole world is gone after him. You know, as we go through the word of God, we find through the word of God Redemption's plan. From Genesis to Revelation, there is a thread of redemption all through. Those things moving. I'm wondering why everybody's looking up at the screen there. All right, take that off of there. There we go. All right, uh, and and so. Uh, with that, what do we find? We find that uh, there, is, there is redemption's plan, and redemption's plan is a plan that God had, not just from the beginning. He had this plan from before the beginning. This morning, we're going to look at a few things about this plan and how God's sovereign plan Has worked God's plan works it works and you can say that in every aspect of your life but God's redemption plan has worked all throughout uh, the Word of God Uh, Titus 1 uh, 2 it said in a hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised Before the world began. Before the world ever was, God already had a plan of redemption. Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Before the world was ever laid, the Lamb in the foreknowledge of God had already been sacrificed. God is not trapped in our spectrum of time. And here we just see redemption all through it. And this morning, uh, I want to I just call your attention to verse number 19. It said, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing. Behold, the world is gone after him. And that's the title of the message this morning. The world is gone after him. And let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, thank you for what you have done and what you are doing. And this great plan of redemption and how, Lord, that uh, plan is still in uh, effect even today. And so I pray that you'd work uh, in the hearts and minds of each of us for Christ's sake. Amen. All right. So here as we look at this, uh, we see the the plan that God has had. First of all, I want you to see a plan. Uh, verse. Go to John chapter 3. Keep your Bible out, John chapter 3. Look with me at verse number 16. I know many of you could quote this verse, but I want you to just see it this morning. Uh, look at it along with me. First of all, I want you to see uh, the plan, uh, the plan. Uh, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the plan. That's the plan. The plan is that God loves us so much that he wants us to have forgiveness. He wants us to have salvation. He wants us to accept him uh, as our redeemer. And we, we see here the plan, and it was a plan of love. It's a plan of love. You know, when we look at Christianity and what the differences is with Christianity, the two things that set Christianity apart is love and forgiveness. You know what the Lord does? He loves and He forgives. And with that, you and I are here today and if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then you have experienced that love. You have experienced that forgiveness. And, And that is something that's part of the plan of God. But it's not just the plan of God for us. It's the plan of God for the world. Over 7 billion people alive on the planet today, you know how easy it is to get consumed with us four and no more? How easy it is to just be consumed with our life and our needs and our desires. You see, God has a plan. Uh, This plan is a plan of love. This plan is a plan of forgiveness. And this plan is a sovereign plan. It's a sovereign plan. And it's a sovereign plan because we have a sovereign God. Uh, God doesn't have to ask permission to figure out why or how he is going to do something. You know, God doesn't owe us an explanation. When turmoil comes to life, comes to our doorstep, God doesn't owe us an explanation. He's sovereign. He's sovereign. Now, I'm so thankful that His Word reveals that He loves me, and I believe that. Do you believe that the Lord loves you? It's easy to say, but it's not always embraced. We're going to look at a little bit of that tonight. But when we when we see how God, He's sovereign. He's a sovereign God. He's a sovereign God. Uh, I go back to uh, Webster's uh, 1828 Dictionary. Let's go ahead and put that up there, if you would. Uh, The the definition of sovereign, uh, uh, the first definition, supreme in power, uh, possessing supreme dominion as a sovereign ruler of the universe. You know what? God is a sovereign ruler of the universe. He is not under any. He is supreme in power. He is superior. To all others, he is uh, chief. God is the sovereign good of all who love him and obey him. The third uh, definition I didn't show it there just for size uh, supremely efficacious. God is a God who is supreme, he is under, he is submitting to none. He's sovereign. We look at the Ukraine and we say that's a sovereign country. They should not have to fall under Russia. They're sovereign. Uh, And you know, uh, the United States, we are a sovereign nation. Uh, But the reality is, God is a sovereign God. He's a sovereign God. And His sovereign plan is His plan. You know, there's some things in... God's plan that I didn't like. I read my Bible, and I go through, and there are things that I see that I don't agree with. say, Pastor, you're not supposed to say that. You're the pastor. I don't like it, but I recognize God's sovereign. And if I don't understand something or I don't like it, God's right and I'm wrong. He's sovereign. And the sovereign plan of redemption, God has a plan of redemption. And how and why he chose redemption's plan the way he did, I I sometimes wonder, couldn't he have done it differently? Why did God's son have to come? But God's sovereign. He's the one that has the plan. It's His plan, and we have to submit ourselves to Him. Uh, John 12, uh, verse 19, it said, here the world is going after Him. Uh, what was it? He, they, they were looking at it. The Pharisees said among themselves, perceive ye how we prevail nothing. Behold, the world is going after Him. It uh, didn't matter what they were trying to do to stop this plan. It was still moving forward multitudes of people came to welcome Christ. And now as they're welcoming him, they are calling on him to be their king. They are choosing him uh, to be their king. Uh, And of course, they were wanting a king to lead them uh, out of Roman oppression. uh, And they were wanting that that uh, the Lord to set Himself up as King right then uh, over Jerusalem, uh, but that wasn't part of the plan. But no matter what obstacles the devil puts into play, uh, no matter uh, what failures mankind has, uh, there is, there was religious opposition by the Pharisees and the uh, Judaism, uh, as well as the false prophets and cults. Uh, yet they could not stop God's plan. They couldn't stop his plan. Uh, the world is gone after him. So we see, first of all, uh, the plan. Secondly, I want you. To go to Exodus chapter number 12. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 12. I apologize for my voice. Exodus chapter number 12. Brother David, how about you finish? <laughs> Uh, that right there there was just some anxiousness Uh, uh, I I remember sitting on the platform and only one time in all the years did the pastor walk away from the platform Uh, and uh, that was a very awkward uh, time Uh, when you know Bible says be instant in season out of season Uh, and when it comes to that reality uh, you find out you're not instant and so I was looking for a microwave somewhere Uh, But Exodus chapter 12, look at verse number 1. We see the price. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying... This, is the month, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls." Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb, and your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it unto the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening." So here we have the month of Abib, the first month. Later, if you look at a Hebrew calendar, it was changed to Nisan, N-I-S-S-A-I. A N uh, and so, uh, but the first month was the month of Bib. The tenth day of the month, they would go and they would choose a lamb. That lamb was going had to uh, had to meet some requirements. It had to be uh, a firstborn. It had to be a lamb without blemish. Uh, it had to be a lamb uh, that was was going to be watched. It was going to be observed. It was going to be uh, inspected. And so here, what do we find? They are coming. Uh, for the Paschal. uh, They are coming for the Passover. Uh, There was going to be the Passover. uh, And uh, in that feast of the Passover, it was referring back to Exodus. And with that, on the 10th day of the month, they would take that lamb and they would choose it. Then on that next few days, the 11th, the 12th, The 13th and the 14th, they would watch it, and on the evening of the 14th, they would sacrifice that lamb. And the lamb's blood would then not only be sacrificed, it would be caught. The lamb's blood would be applied on the doorpost and the lentils. And once the temple was made, uh, one time a year, uh, they would take that uh, sacrifice. They would, the high priest would take it into the Holy of the Holies, and he would apply it on the mercy seat. And we see this process of the Old Testament being lived back out in John chapter 12. Because they had to choose the lamb. You know, when they were laying those palm leaves down and they were crying, Hosanna, they were saying, we choose you to be our lamb. We choose you to be the one that is going to be our sacrifice. Now, it was already part of God's plan, but we see that that plan uh, was being fulfilled, and they were choosing uh, the Savior, uh, and on the 14th day in the evening, they would kill that lamb, and that's exactly what uh, is going to t- would take place. And so uh, Abraham, uh, he also had a sacrifice. And and re- referring uh, to the, to redemption, go uh, go to uh, Genesis chapter twenty-two, Genesis chapter twenty-two, and verse number six. Genesis twenty-two, and verse six. God will provide Himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they both uh, they went both of them together. What do we find? We find that. Uh, God himself was chosen to be that lamb. Uh, John the Baptist put it this way in John 1 29, Uh the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, behold, the lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And we see it again in verse 36, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, saith, he saith, behold, the lamb of God. And the Lord himself was that lamb. He was the one that was the sacrifice of For our sins. Hebrews chapter number nine. Go there with me. Hebrews chapter nine. We're not bothered by the Bible, are we? All right. Hebrews chapter number nine. Go there with me. I want you to see this. There is so much that's tied up uh, in these passages of Scripture to help us understand our faith. Uh, Hebrews chapter nine, verse 12. The Bible says, "...neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place." God. It was the sacrifice of the very Son of God uh, who who paid that price. It was God's plan but there was also a great price. It was Christ's incarnation. It was Christ's sinless life. It was Christ's vicarious death on our behalf to pay for our sins and it was His glorious resurrection uh, that paid for salvation for us. And so we have here uh, the plan uh, of God. The world's gone after him. Why? Because they're fulfilling the plan. People are coming to Christ. Why? Because it's God's plan. Uh, there was a price. But then I want you to see the presentation. The presentation. On that Palm Sunday, and today is referenced as Palm Sunday, we see how they took those palm leaves, and they laid them down. And the Lord himself was chosen to be their king. I want you to see that this passage in John 12 was was just the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. Zechariah 9.9, the Bible says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass upon the colt." The fall of an ass. What do we have here? We have the coronation. We have the Lord coming. And and he has has, uh, been chosen. And and we call it the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem. Now, when when we look at this event, we have to remember that this was in a time of, of a foreign government ruling the land. The Roman government was in charge. And so here you have the Roman uh, people that were there and the Roman soldiers who were there, uh, those in leadership. You have uh, the people of Jerusalem that were there and those that were coming into town. And, and as these people are gathering and this crowd is gathering, uh, be sure that the Roman government was, was aware of what was going on. Especially when they were planning on making a new king. They, I'm sure they had, they had some intel. I'm sure that they had some people that were telling them what was going on and why why were these people gathering and what was what was the event? Jesus was coming to town and uh, and people were now they're cutting down palm branches. Why are you cutting down palm branches? Because Jesus is coming. Well, what's the big deal about Jesus coming? Well, we're going to make him king. Whoa, 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 whoa! We have Caesar. So so here now you know that there was. Definitely some uncertainty, but, you know, there, there, was, there, was no, there was no riot. There was no uprising. Why? Because that's not why Jesus came. I'm wondering, I think about just this, the triumphal entry. In the Roman times, they had, it was called the Roman Triumph. And this Roman triumph was, was a great honor that was bestowed upon generals. It was a great honor that was bestowed upon the Roman leaders for for battles that they would uh, engage in. It was something that was a conquest. They had to have, the battle, a battle, a single battle, they had to have not only had conquest and taken new territory, they also had to have killed a minimum of 5,000 people. And in doing so, when they came back, the leader, whether it was the general or whoever it was, Pompeo, Pompey the Great, he was given three different tri- Roman triumphs. Uh, they put coins out for them for this. There was great amount of money that was given. There was great prestige that they had. They literally treated them as a king. Uh, there was, was a big deal. So uh, when we're thinking about the Lord coming in and the triumphal entry and them laying down palm branches, I wonder what the Roman view was. Their view was probably just mocking. That's all you have to offer? That's all you're going to give a king? We, we bring somebody that is a conquering hero. We give them far much more. You know what? When our king does come, he's going to have far much more honor and glory. But here we see that the Lord was coming back. And there was a presentation of who he is. And He was presented not as our King, He was presented as our Savior, our Lamb, our sacrifice. And just like in the days of Jesus when He was here on this earth, there are mockers. Just like in the days of Jesus, there are those that are just spectators. Let me just watch and see what's going on. You know, what we do with Jesus determines what he will do with us. And a choice not to, a decision not to accept Christ is a decision to reject him. Have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Have you accepted him? The plan is a sovereign plan. The price was already paid. The presentation presentation has been made for the entire world, and it's made as easy as can be. But you and I have to receive Him. And if you have not received Jesus Christ, let me encourage you, receive Him today. Receive Him today. If you have received Him, let's not just be a spectator. Let's be a follower. Let's be a follower. And let's not just be a follower, let's be a spokesman. This world needs truth. That family who just lost those two babies. I had a, I prayed with the sheriff. I talked to many different deputies. As I was talking to some people as believers we have to realize that the lord is the answer for every need in this world you know he knows how to he knows how to take care of broken people he knows how to deal with hurt he knows how to deal with any type of brokenness, any type of bondage, any type of, of damaged. You know, we are damaged goods. All of us are damaged goods. And we need a Savior. And we need to follow Him. And there's a world that needs to know about Him. We've got to tell Him. We've got to tell Him. Say, Pastor, I don't really know what to say. Then invite them to church. I know what to say. There are other people around you that know what to say. There are people that are here that can help and and share the good news of the gospel. But here we are living in a day where people who know about Jesus are doing nothing with Jesus. And as believers, we've got to make sure that we are Telling everybody about our great God. The one who has come, his plan, that perfect plan, that price that was paid, and the presentation, the presentation of Christ. He has given himself for us as a gift, and all we have to do is receive him. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. Thank you for your word. And Lord, just for yourself, what you have done for us. And Lord, uh, for this group of people here this morning and their love for you and the desire that they have to serve you. I pray that you'd help us uh, individually. I pray that you'd help us corporately to recognize our great opportunity to share uh, you uh, with this world. And Lord, uh, there, there were many people that had been been following you. Uh, The the whole world had gone after you. And Lord, we live in a world where uh, now it just seems it has turned the other way. And I pray that you'd use us to turn people back to Christ. And so help us now. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You're here this morning. Do you know Christ as your personal Savior? Do you know Him? You're here this morning say, Pastor, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. If I die, I'm going to heaven. Just as a testimony to the Lord. Slip your hand up. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can put it down. Pastor, I don't know. Or Pastor, I know that I'm not. I'm concerned. I know I need to be saved. Pastor, pray for me this morning. I'm not saved. Pray for me. Just lift your hand up. Let me pray for you this morning. Are you here? You don't know Christ as your personal Savior? I won't come back to you. I won't embarrass you, but I would love to pray for you. Pray for me, Pastor. You say, Pastor, I'm saved, but I'm sort of on the spectator side. I'm sort of watching. I've not been that vocal person telling others about Christ. Pastor, pray for me. Lord, put his finger on something in my life. I I need to be more of a witness for the Savior. I need to tell other people about the Lord. I need to start standing up. Pastor, pray for me this morning. Just slip your hand up. That's you. Father, you know the needs of each and every person here this morning. Those that are unsaved, those that are saved. And uh, Lord, some just need encouragement. Uh, Lord, you, you know all of us. You know our hearts. I pray that you'd help all of us to draw a little closer to you. For Christ's sake, let's stand together. The instruments are playing. The Lord spoke to your heart. You respond. The altar's open. Maybe you're here this morning. You just need somebody to pray with. The men are down front. You come. We'll have someone pray with you this morning. Maybe you're watching online and unsure of your eternal destiny. Let me encourage you to text that number that's on your screen. Text heaven to that number. We'll get back to you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's BBC, the number 4, me.org. May God bless you.